Hello, welcome to Creating Portland. I'm your host, Pearson Coons, and on this podcast, I'll be interviewing progressive creators who are using their art to shape the culture of our city and beyond. I hope you enjoy this episode of Creating Portland. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Creating Portland. I am here today with a very exciting guest named Nastasia Minto. And she moved here in 2018, and three months later, she was already performing. And then in 2019, uh, they published a book and has been performing ever since. So I'm so excited to talk to you, Nastasia, and welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, well, we're going to jump right in with my big, broad question that gets us kicked off, and that is, how are you helping to create Portland? How am I helping to create Portland? Um, I think I will start just by saying being authentically me in my art, and I think that's why a lot of people like me and that's not being egotistical or anything that's just more so like people have said we like you because you like just do your own thing you're very like who you are and so i think for me just in the realm of shaping and creating and working in the arts in portland is staying true to who i am keeping my roots i'm such a southern girl i don't know if y'all can hear my accent come out every now and then um and bringing that into like this very liberal space that I'm not used to also I'm not used to the city so a very like country holistic Georgia I'm from Georgia sorry don't 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 kill me um <laughs> I'm from Georgia oh we love Georgia right now let me tell you that <laughs> and so I bring a lot of that in and I'm also all about collaborating with other artists and I think that's what art is I was just recently reading a book by um a shaman Dr. Melodoma Somme, and he said, you know, art is very similar to healers in shamanism. Like the veil is so thin between an artist and a shaman. And I just thought that was very beautiful of saying like, we as artists, how we create and how we change the perspective and change the views. And I think that's what I feel like I'm doing in Portland and it might be on a small scale, but it's still on a scale. So that's how I feel like I'm creating. Yes. <laughs> So then can you tell us a little bit more about this book? And then may, I'm curious how this book ties into that shamanism or healing mentality. Yeah, so the title of my book is Naked. And it's just crazy. Every time I think about I came here in 2017 and I was so willing to do something different and to not be in the same place I was in that I was like, I'll be homeless to do this. Like I've been homeless. I will make this work. I know how to do this. And when I came, I got a job as a therapist and that was surprising too, but something just kept pulling me to perform. Like I've been writing since I was nine years old, but I never like performed any of my work. It's just like, that's my work. That's my personal stuff. And I went to a writing group one day and the teacher was just like, Hey, we're doing a show. You should perform with us. And I was like, no, it ain't, ain't really my thing. I just write. <laughs> and I got up and I performed. And that's when I met a lot of people in the writing community that was like, you really should do this. And so I started, you know, as people say, following that call, that voice. And that's what I started doing. And I, I tell people, I wrote naked, like the entire thing in three months. 
And because it was so like, it was just urgent. It was there. It wanted to come out. It came out. Uh, I wrote it all. I reached out to Nikki Giovanni. I reached out to Lydia. You can imagine like all these people. And I was like, hey, can you read my book? <laughs> this is one thing. Would you read it for me? And they all said, yeah, like every person I reached out to, a newcomer on the stage, they never heard of me. And they were like, yeah, we'll read it. Sure. And so I just decided after that, along in the shaman and healing work, is that our words are very powerful. And I know that everything I speak, I'm going to speak it with power, power because it's coming back to me. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to have it finished. It's going to be published by February because AWP was in March. And, and that's pretty much what happened. And people were like, what? How? And so I took that route. And once my book started coming out, like just all these opportunities of performing and Washington, performing like online events in Iowa, just crazy stuff that I never thought I'd be doing. And then I went to Egypt and I ended up performing one of my poems in the Sphinx, like we were standing in the Sphinx. Wow. And the leader was like, hey, can you perform a, a poem for us? And I was like, is that like against the law? Like, is that religious? Because yeah. <laughs> that's Egypt, and you know, like there's a lot of laws and stuff. And so they're like, no, like just perform it, keep it like low key. Mm -hmm. And that was a just very um, transformative moment for me of like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And I'm gonna go for it with all my heart and I'm gonna work at it as hard as I can. And so that's what Naked is. Naked is pretty much Naked is talking about my young adult, being a young adult, my childhood, and then coming into the person that I am now. Because I was very, I was a devout Christian. I was a youth minister and that's what I was doing wow. and I was still hiding that I was queer and I didn't want anyone to know that and so it's talking about coming out of that and that shame around that and that shame around talking not only about my sexuality but sensuality so there's some erotica poems in there and people are like were you afraid and I'm like yeah yeah I was because I was just I was taught to be ashamed of that I was taught like that's you should keep that for marriage. And so when expressing these things that you like, like there's so much freedom to it. There's a lot of freedom. So I'm like starting to shake now because I'm getting super excited. But yeah, that's what yeah. <laughs> that's what naked is about. It's just really a way to uncover, to reveal, and to show. And my hope was that when people read it, they can say, Oh, I can be naked too. I can be open mm. too. I can be vulnerable as well. And that, that's what I've been so curious about with these artists like yourself that I've been interviewing that are so willing to be so vulnerable and so themselves and authentic, like you were saying, where do you find the strength to do that? Is that that person that reads it and is inspired by you? Is that what gives you the strength or where, where do you pull it from to pull that off? I've learned over the years, just even when I was deeply into Christianity and I used to do a lot of youth camps, is that like when you are authentically authentic with people and when you're open and vulnerable, it like creates this trust bubble where someone could be like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can share that. Maybe I can talk about that. And 
that's where it started at. But it wasn't until like 2018 of the first time I ever talked about the sexual assault that happened to me because a person I was working with just was so open with me and crying and sharing all of this. And I remember I even said it like, well, I think, I think something like that happened to me, but I'm not, I think I was just way too drunk. Like, I think maybe it was my fault. Like, I'm not, I'm not really sure. And I just kept phrasing it like that. Like, I think, Mm -hmm. and she was like, no, like something, it happened. It was not your fault. And it was that moment where I kept saying, did I say too much? Did I say too much? Oh my gosh, I said too much. And she said, no, like, this is a space we're in and it is a safe space and you can be vulnerable and open to me. And once I started writing, like this was the, the first time even my family had read this. So like they called me like, wait, what did this happen? What, what are you talking about? And I just said, I said, I want to be free. I don't want to hold any of this shame. I don't want to hold any of whatever it is that I'm holding. I really want to be free. And I want people to be able to see all sides of me. Like I want them to see that, yes, I have depression. Yes, I have my really highs and then I have my low lows. And I was like, I just want people to see that. Like you can have all of these emotions and that's what makes us human. And so I think that's where minds come from. I don't know about everybody else, but it definitely comes from just seeing how it ricochets to other people. Yeah, it's it's definitely this chain of of healing, like you're saying, this chain of if the freed people free other people. Yeah. We have this phrase of like hurt people hurt people, but also freed people can free others. And it's that choice that you're making as an artist to be that freer of other people. Wow. Very inspiring. Um Ooh, got chills myself. Um, well, let's start transitioning then just beyond uh, your work into the general Portland scene. And you kind of entered Portland at a really interesting time. So I'm curious, and then COVID hit shortly after that. So where, what have you noticed that works in Portland art scene? And what have you sort of observed that's maybe not working that we need to improve on? Where, what's your impression of this scene since you've been here? Yeah. Well, since I've been here, I've noticed that, what is it? Um, I noticed that people, especially in the writing community, so that's the one I'll speak from in that arts, is that people usually don't take you serious unless you have a book, unless you have something that you're like, oh, I wrote this, oh, I did this. And you can show it, you have proof. And I think that's why I found it interesting that people were actually taking me serious because I didn't have any of that. And so once I got the book and all of the opportunities that started coming to me, I was just like, okay, this is cool. You want to interview me. You want to do this. But do you also know that there are so many other black and brown artists that have been doing this way before me? That would be awesome candidates to be on your podcast or to be interviewed. And so that was my one like biggest thing that I hated was just going to some of these shows and one realizing that I was the only black or brown person there, an entire show, a lineup of 10. And it's only one, like it, that just blows my mind. Or if I get invited to the same show multiple times, I'm like, oh, did you not know that there are other people of color 
that you could mm. invite to the show. And so here, that's something that I'm like, is working because it's so creative. I give that to Portland, very creative place. But I think the outreach is not all that creative. And I've heard from other people of color of just like, oh, that's why I don't go to certain shows because I don't want to be the only person of color or black person there. Mm. Or that's why I don't go to downtown area shows because they look at me this way and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I don't go there. They don't invite me. They never invited me in. So I do think that's something that maybe people are looking into now, especially with everything going on. But I know that just in the few years that I've been here, it has been a big thing that I always call out. And people ask me, how do you talk about the stuff that you talk about knowing that you are the only Black person in the room? And I said, well, someone has to talk about it. And so, yeah, I think Portland overall is doing a good job just with allowing people to be creative. However, I do think there can be more things done to be, I don't even say inclusive, but to be more diverse and to be more diverse in a way that's not like people reaching out to me. I've had hosts reach out to me and say, hey, can you find us some like black and brown people to work on our show? And I'm like, is this for real? <laughs> Serious. Um, but actively talking to people. And that's what I'm curious to see, not to talk about the election, but I'm curious to see how as individuals we're actually going to interact with each other and mm-hmm. make those connections instead of just like, oh, my vice president is black. And so everything is great. But no, how are you going to communicate with the people in your neighborhood? How are you going to bring artists in that don't look like you, that you maybe don't even resonate with their work, but they have work that's different? And so I'm curious about how that's going to turn out in Portland in these few like coming years. Yeah, I'm, I get the impression that this tokenism comes when we feel done as like white organizers. So we have one person of color and then we're done. And it's, it's this sort of sense of conclusion rather than like, how could there be more? The, this, we talked about this in another interview too, of this abundance mindset versus this scarcity mindset, right? Like being done with one or having the potential for abundance of perspectives and ideas. And I think it's really important too, what you said about even if it doesn't resonate with you, to include it because not everything's going to resonate with all audiences particularly if all the organizers are white like it's it wouldn't make sense that everything is going to resonate with that specific group of people so yeah i love that that call out to ensure that we are challenging our own perspectives and then even asking for perspectives we may not understand or may not resonate with us for the sake of inclusion and diversity exactly Oh, yes, 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 yes. And then I also, um, what you said earlier, too, about feeling that pressure to speak on behalf of people is so concerning to me in terms of the art scene, that we would put that kind of burden on a singular person in a space rather than share that um, and spread that out so that it wasn't so harmful. Do you have ways that you 
you do call that out or that you do, um, what have you found to be successful in Portland to sort of shift those ideas? You know, the one thing that, that, I, that I've been doing is not straying away from the poems that hit directly on racism and what I'm viewing, especially in an all-white audience as a Black person presenting. So not straying away from that. But then also what I've just been doing is like straight up just acknowledging it. Like first, let me acknowledge mm. that I'm the only Black person in this room. And let's just be very open and honest. Like, you don't have to do, there's an elephant. Nope. Like, let's just go ahead and acknowledge what's going on right now. And also just trying to, like, for me, I'm always, like, talking to hosts and people who are, um, whatever they may be doing, I'm like, hey, well, have you thought about this person or that person? Or do you even know this person? Because they've been doing poetry slams for, like, seven years now. And I've just only been here three years. And so... I'm always trying to figure out ways to bring in other people. So if I got, if I've been invited to a show and then they invite me again, I'll say, Oh, have you thought about this artist? Let me send them to you. And they're like, well, we really want you. And I'm like, no, they'll be great. I think you should really start, you know, broadening your scope of people you bring in. So then it's kind of like, Oh, I guess you're right. <laughs> um, and so that's what I'm always trying to do is when people give me, these opportunities that I know I've already done, I'm like, why not invite someone else? Why not bring in other people? And that's what I've been trying to do. And I have been trying to have the, and I say trying, I really say trying to have the conversation of how can we make these literary shows less white and more diverse? Because people love to say Portland is so diverse. And I'm like, it might be diverse in food choices, and singing <laughs> nature, but like when you're talking about like demographics, it's not all that diverse. And so, how do we do that? And how do we how do we learn to sit in our discomfort so that we can start building relationships? And I, what I found is just a lot of hosts don't quite know how to do that because it's that I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And it's like, well, you don't say anything, then that's, that's almost like even more wrong. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I think that's where I'm at is at a point of speaking my truth responsibly. And that's what Mm. I tell my kids is what you may feel may very much be truthful but speak it in a way so that these, the people you're trying to reach, it will reach them and they will hear it. Even if they don't respond or even if they become offensive, like it is not your job to comfort someone when they're offended. <laughs> like that is not your job. Right. So yeah, that's what I'm just trying to do that outreach part. Yes. And all of these things, these strategies you're mentioning too, like, This is something I need to remember and white people need to remember is that we can do all of those things you just said. Like, we are just as capable of acknowledging the fact that there is one person of color in the entire room. We are just as capable of recommending other artists and encouraging organizers to include artists of color in shows. That's not solely the responsibility of artists of color themselves. Um, Yeah, so we really need to hear that and 
take that upon ourselves to work towards it as well. Uh, yeah, a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Woo! Uh, but we can do it. We can do it. That's so, what I was saying earlier, though, about like continuously doing the work of being an anti-racist and doing the work of decolonizing mm-hmm. the arts, decolonizing therapy, decentering these things so that when you see and hear people of color, it's not like, oh my gosh, wow. It's more like, oh, okay. But now right. everything is such a wild wow factor. Like, oh, there are black people that hike. Like, yeah. <laughs> there are black people that do like poetry and classical stuff. Yeah, there is. Right. And so that that's like the thing of like, we have to start reframing. Yeah, I always think about leaving this age of the first. Like we keep hearing yeah. the first Academy Award winner to do this or like the first black scientist to blah. And it's like, okay, we need to start leaving this era where we're celebrating the first of everything so that there's the third and the fifth and the 100th person to do this thing. Exactly. Um, okay, well, that kind of brings us right into our last segment, which is what is your hope? Or, and this, you sort of touched on a lot of these things, but your hope or your vision for the future of Portland art, what would be the dream scenario for us? The dream scenario for Portland's art. Well, I do want to acknowledge, like, like I said earlier, that I think it is cool that in Portland, you can be an artist. And by that, I mean, like, you can be as quirky, as weird, or as, <laughs> like, you can be all of those things. And so I think that is beautiful that you can just be that. And my hope is, my hope is that this community that we're all seeking, that we will find that. Because I do believe that art brings bring us together. I believe that so, like, wholeheartedly that art brings us together because it's subjective and you can view it and you can perceive it however you would like to and so I my hope is just is honestly that is that we can truly come together in community and that I can see your work for as it is and not just like oh well you know that came from this group of people and you can see my work for as it is and not like came from a black queer woman but like no Mm. no that's nostalgia you know she did that you can tell she did that you can hear her voice um and also like you said that there won't be these first continuous first first person in portland to win a literary arts (laughs) Mm -hmm. um no shade to literary arts but i just I'm all about community. I'm all about community. And right now in my school course, that's what I was just writing about is how I have this sense that we're all yearning for community. And we don't Mm. quite know what that is. And so we're always like, oh, I want to be in community, whether it's the queer community, where it's the community of BIPOC people, whatever it is, like you hear it all the time. Like, I just want community. I want community. Or this is my community of writers my community of artists, my community of painters. We all are seeking that. And so what would it look like if we like found 
that community first within ourselves because you have to do your own work. You have to do your own healing. If that is a thing. And then you bring that healing out to society. And that's what I feel like that's what community is supposed to be. And that's how we're supposed to be as humans is that all of our unique gifts, our talents, our flaws, everything are brought in. And when we see people, we can promote their strengths and everything that they struggle with. We help them along the way instead of being like, oh, well, your art is okay. Like, no, you paint the best flowers that I've ever seen. (laughs) You know? Um, But that is my hope. And maybe it's a a big hope and maybe it's like way bigger. And hopefully I'll live to see that. But if I don't, that is my hope. Not just for Portland, but for just for the world. Wow. Yes, could not agree more. I definitely see how you were a therapist. (laughs) You are just showering us with helpful advice, starting from the inside, bringing it to the outside. This has been such a lovely interview. Thank you so much. Nastasia, where can people find you on the internet? Where can we get your book? We need to know all the details. Yeah, so everyone can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. It's just my name. (laughs) My publisher said make it easy. So it's Nastasia Mentel. And uh, my book is at Eldritch Books. It's like the tie, but spelled with an E. Um, Yeah, support me. You can check out my YouTube videos just in case you're curious about what I sound like when I actually read. Because I know some people say when I talk, I sound like a therapist. (laughs) Just so (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Okay, perfect. Well, we will link all of those in the episode description. And yeah, thank you so much for being here, Nastasia. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Creating Portland with me, Pearson Coons. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CreatingPDX or on our website, CreatingPDX.com. This podcast was brought to you by Wolf and Thunder Productions and Golden Pride Productions. See you next time. Bye!